am. Oh, I hear ice cubes in a glass. That's uh, what you got there. Old granddad, friend. What's old granddad? Old granddad is a fine uh, grown-up brown drink. Um, it comes in two varieties. It comes in bonded and not bonded. Hmm. I don't. Hmm. I don't exactly know what bonded means. What? But what, it, it um, costs more. I see. So so okay. So you've given me a kind of a broad. We're it's sort of the high level taxonomy of liquor. Um, <laughs> if you're talking brown, so let's drill down a bit. What uh, what would sort of be below your phylum of liquor, <laughs> like your class B? It's a it's a case. it's a whiskey class of drink. Okay, whiskey class. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yes, bourbon it's family. bourbon. It's, it's in the bourbon, bourbon family. family. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, uh, genus. I don't know. We're skipping a few things. You know, there's orders and uh, and you know. it's old. <laughs> old granddad actually lives down this down the holler from old Overholt. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, down the holler. Yeah, granddad and and Overholt are they're they're. They're they're the sort of friends who have been friends for long enough that they they know each other's weaknesses really intimately. Sure, and can they just actually, they just they just pick at them. Can we confirm that Kentucky has hollers? I is that, assume, a, is that a Kentucky thing? All right, so uh, listeners, uh, if you're from Kentucky, um, please write in and let us know whether or not Kentucky has hollers. Mm. Mm. I don't know much That'd about Kentucky. That's a place that I've never been to. I've so I've been to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know uh, I'm sure it's really nice. I've I've mostly been to Louisville for Crossworlds, and I've driven on its highways, and uh, I don't know. It looks nice. I've ridden I've ridden a bike in Kentucky once. That's, yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of just farmland. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Basically, it seems it seems like you know it's a state. Um, people live there. It's said to be. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know so i hear uh i mean there's yeah, gotta be well, some hilly there's 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 some hilly regions it's got oh, the Oz- sure. like so the the ozarks are in missouri right but isn't kentucky uh the yeah. ozarks are in missouri and arkansas in I arkansas think. there's no there's no sort of like kentucky area of the ozarks the kentucky ozarks uh that is what we got? i think so i guess um we could let's see kentucky i'm i'm going to my my uh, Google. Well, I see Kentucky Ozarks. Kentucky. So, so if There's Kentucky Ozarks, there have got to be hollers in the Ozarks. I, you know, I'd I'd be willing to uh, I'd be willing to allow for that. Well, you know, here's the thing. And then, oh, hold here's on a thing. second. Here's the thing. Kentucky borders this West says, Virginia. That is Appalachia AF. Of course, there are hollers. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. Kentucky does have have hollers. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. According to the according to this Wikipedia article, Wikipedia never lies. Is this the existence uh, of hollers in Kentucky.wikipedia.com? Uh, well, this is like American Wikipedia. Well, it's English speaking Wikipedia, but this says that the Ozarks are in Missouri and Arkansas and uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. It huh. does not say that they are in Kentucky. Oh. Which I wonder. However, that makes me think that there is a common misconception. There is a town called Ozark, Kentucky. Well, yeah, or an unincorporated community. Which is <laughs> sort of like half a town. 
So, how's that? <laughs> this is a uh, an honest bicycle program. Oh. We have not even touched on the periphery of bicycles yet. Oh, no, that's not true. I said that I rode a bike. Yeah. Talking. Uh, and, so I guess we have touched on the periphery. And I like to think, and we have gotten many phone calls about this some faxes by, by the way by the way he's matteo and i'm greg this is this is true i'm matteo that's greg um and we've gotten uh phone no, calls no you're matteo and i'm greg yeah didn't i say yeah didn't i s- yeah 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 all right just messing with you buddy <laughs> we and so we're here to keep you company uh yeah yeah as you know we ride along uh through your oral nerve I've gotten, I was saying, I've gotten phone calls and faxes. I've gotten electronic mail, which is a hot Mm. new thing that the kids are doing. Um, Have you you received um, DMs and, uh, oh, uh, Snapchats? Snaps? um, People have blowed up my menchies. Okay. That sounds like a thing. About how nice it is to just listen to us yammer while you, our listeners, go for bike rides. Yeah, no, this is true. Uh, I, I actually highly recommend that approach. This is would be, uh, this is of course second only to what it would be like to ride with me and Greg, but we've never really ridden a bike together. That's actually true, and we're going to have to correct that, um, but it'll happen. Well, so here's what you, so yeah, so so here's, here's what you do if you're considering riding, all right, and, and you have your podcast machine with you, you know, take out to your... Uh, Take out your Bluetooth headphones, un- unsealed, of course. Put them on. Uh, click start. Um, go to properties. Uh, click on that. Um, open up your uh, Bluetooth headphones app. Uh, click file. Uh, go to headphone settings. Uh, and, well, I don't know. You know how this works. You know how this works. <laughs> you know, I don't have to explain this whole process to you. But, uh, yeah, go uh, give it a shot. Give it a shot. And I think the other thing that people probably know, probably already know, is that they can they can get this from Wide Angle Podium Network at uh, W... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Wait, hang on. <laughs> WideAnglePodium.com. Uh, um, and, and alternatively... Yeah. Alternatively, Triple W. Triple, triple W. <laughs> Who is my favorite professional wrestler. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, triple W. There's a wide there's, angle there's, podium. A, there's a terrific uh, collection of podcasts at uh, the Wide Angle Podium Network, um, including some really fresh new ones. Like we got to hang out uh, the Dirtfield recordings, which I really need to get caught up on. The Consummate Athlete Podcast. We got. I believe that we got to hang out is what you would call fresh AF. Fresh AF. Since we're, since we're yeah. throwing that away, it is it is fresh with a capital F. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Multi multi fresh. Uh, or is it actually? It's got two capital F's, I think, because the A and the F are also capitalized at the end, right? So, anyway, go there and check it out. There's really good. There's really good podcasts and really smart people and interesting people and funny people. Yes. Uh, who like a lot of the same things you like? If you're listening to this, like I promise you, they do. They do. Uh, yeah. And so. and and then we've got the mainstays like Crosshairs, Slow Ride. The Meyerson line, kids don't follow, just pff, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So, and and here's the thing, by the way, um, if you like these podcasts, and I know you do, 
right? Like, you wouldn't be listening to us because you don't like us, right? Um, I mean, I yeah, don't understand. <laughs> don't entirely understand why you would like us, but presumably you do. Uh, but, you know, uh, you could help us out if you like. You know, you could you could support us. You could support other shows on the network if you think that, you know, we suck. But that, I don't know, the slow ride is good. <laughs> that seems That seems insane to me. But uh, you, you could do that, and you could become a member, right? You know, just measly five bucks a month, or maybe ten, or fifteen, or twenty. You know, there's levels. There's levels. Uh, yeah, so so go click click the donate button. And here's a, here's a really cool thing. I'm actually really excited to, to, to point this out to you. Um, <clears throat> if you're a member, you get you get bonus content. You get you get shows and and content and and things and audio that people who aren't members don't get to hear. And here's why I'm excited about this, is that Greg and I, the reason why we started off in such a ridiculous cold open is because we're already a little bit tipsy because we already- That's true. Planned. I'm halfway through this Moscow mule, so. <laughs> we we uh, we were, we were uh, scheming and are very excited about some bonus content that we're going to be bringing to you very soon. This is going to come to uh, donating members in good standing of the Wide Angle Podium Network. So go ahead, make a little donation. Uh, access some sweet bonus content real soon. You're not going to be disappointed. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. You're going to be fun. You're going to be having fun too. All right, cool. Wide angle podium. Um, I should also it's, mention it's before, great. Before we totally pivot, uh, that uh, we on the Wide Angle Podium Network, we're the Honest Bicycle Program, uh, and we're coming at you from Health IQ, uh, which is a life insurance company that celebrates health conscious people including cyclists um oh, yeah. you can learn more you can get a free quote by going to healthiq.com slash honest bicycle they've got a life insurance faq page you can get your questions answered they do some really good stuff that kind of really targets people who live an active lifestyle uh like you're not penalized for having a low resting heart rate they don't measure just bmi which I think, as a lot of athletic people know, um, can be a really sort of frustrating measure of health. A lot of people, uh, not just athletes, know that it can be a, a frustrating and problematic measure of health. All right. Let's get back to the show. Thank you very much, Health IQ, for uh, your support. Absolutely. Um, so, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. So, what's going on? What, what are our uh, current events situation? So, you told me... Um, as we were talking earlier, that you haven't really been paying attention to, to what's going on, and I, I think the the greatest I'm super super busy. You've been yeah yeah you've been you've been out of it. Where's where's Greg? Who knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> um, I would say there's a really sort of significant and uh, slow brewing scandal in the world of professional cycling, um, involving pff, the UCI, and it's whoa 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 <laughs> whoa whoa. whoa. And, I find uh, that hard to believe, sir. And it's it's a capricious sanction of Victor Campanertz. Are you okay. with me on this? Uh, I still not ringing a bell. I All right. This uh, All right. Mr. Campan cool. Campy parts guy. <laughs> campy parts. Victor Vic old Vic Campy parts. Um. So right. Victor Campanertz is the uh, Belgian time trial champion. He's on Lotto NL Yumbo. That's oh, okay. Yumbo with a J. That's um, how Dutch works, people. It is. And at the Euro d'Italia, uh, in the time trial a couple <laughs> days ago, he, on the starting ramp, 
he unzipped his skin suit and on his chest was written in Sharpie or some Sharpie-like ink product uh, the words Carlian Dotten with a question, which translates to Carlian, will you go on a date with me? And uh, apparently as he crossed the finish line, once again, he unzipped his jersey to reveal the words. And they were aimed at a friend of his who is, like, a, a, works on some TV news station. Something along the lines. Um, is, I guess, a crush on? Yeah. And... I presume female individual? Mm-hmm. Yep. And she said yes. Mm. She said mm. yes. The Now, uh, he was fined, like... Either a hundred or a hundred sixty. Uh, what is the unit of of, of pretend uh, European Swiss dollars? Swiss francs. Swiss francs. Thank you. European dollars. Then <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we're just gonna go with that from now on. Any any money in any country within within Europe, east or west, whether it's in the <laughs> EU or the in the whether it's in the eurozone or out or or out, we're just gonna call them European dollars. <laughs> you know, dollars, but with an accent. Yeah, no, dollars but with an accent. Actually, I, I fully endorse this approach, and I think that we should apply it to many continents <laughs> so that we don't have to think about it anymore. So we'll have Asian dollars, African dollars. <laughs> but so so he was fined. I forget if it was 100 or 160. 100 to 160 Swiss francs for uh, something along the lines of conduct that damages the image of cycling. Hmm. Um... And here's All why. Right. Here's why. This, I already have is, an opinion on this, so Matteo. This is this is basically cycling's version of unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, he, I would say it's not just that. It's kind of like, it's it's cycling's version of also, uh, you done uh, something, what made you look dumb or inappropriate, right? Because it's also like if you pee where spectators can see. Yeah, I mean that counts as unsportsman. Yeah, okay, so it's a it's a uh, that's it's not a more general, a more just, general, that's just indecent unsportsmanlike. It's a more general unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's a bummer because as as cycling navel gazes about its appeal, something like this is such a charming story that is gonna like. People who aren't into cycling are going to notice that on, you know, it's it's the sort of thing that it's it'll go on one of those other news websites, you know, like, oh, here's the sports guy who did this funny thing. And like, it's it's a good story. It's bringing like a little bit of human interest into the sport. And that's appealing. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. My I mean, I don't really know that. What what discussion is there to have? I I agree that is kind of preposterous. I'm no. I mean, we don't even we don't even have to discuss it. We can just go ahead and say that. All right. So that happened. And uh, it's not even what, like whatever. It's a, it's a hundred francs. I'm sure that that old old Victor's got a hundred <laughs> francs. And it's oh, not Swiss, okay. I'm yeah. not exactly like lighting the torches here and they marching are European on Switzerland. Dollars. All right. Please <laughs> use the correct term. Uh, it's yeah. Just, no, it's no. just such a touching story. I mean, it's not what like what it's, it's it's a small story. It just seems ridiculous that there should be a fine about it. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's 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 the thing. So maybe they go on a date, and you know, um, 
it just doesn't work out and they remain friends hopefully you know and all is you know and whatever but on the other hand maybe they go on a date and they hit it off and i don't know one thing leads to another and um uh, i don't know they have a long and fulfilling relationship of some kind or another and you know if that happens uh or maybe even if it doesn't uh, probably a hundred uh hundred uh, ed Ooh, i'm not gonna use that acronym actually hundred european <laughs> dollars um just would would seem cheap you know in the long run yeah so we'll just hope for a positive outcome that they can both feel good about that is worth a hundred <laughs> whatever the heck it is that we're talking about in terms of currency <laughs> how's that can I, we, can I we think, put a bow on it now? Yeah. That's solid. All right. That's a solid so, take. So, <laughs> so what's next? Uh, go ahead and spin that globe, Greg. Spin it All right, good. I'm spinning it. Because we are taking off. spinning on. it. You hear it spinning around. Oh, wow. Your bearings in your globe need work. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. It, you know, honestly, uh, they said... They said you know, just stick with the the bushing base globe. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm getting the ball bearing globe. <laughs> uh, but those those ball bearings are getting pretty rusty. Uh, so it turns out a bushing, you know, a plastic bushing wouldn't get so much uh, yeah. uh, rusty. Or maybe that was not, maybe that was a mistake. Kind of rusty and pitted. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Anyway, uh, so the globe has come to a stop. And wait, what country am I looking, looking at? Uh, the United States of America. Oh wait! So why did I spin the globe? I mean, I'm right here. Well, we no, we <laughs> were we were in Italy before. Oh, we were in Italy. Oh, the, that's the, right. The, the, the Camp and Arts Campy affair. Parts. Campy Parts affair. Yeah. And now we're gonna go check out the action in at uh, the tour of California. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So we're it's. I mean, it's sort of America. It's it's sort of America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, all right, two, two interesting stories are coming out of there. Uh, one, um, is, uh, sort of what, what happened in the, the women's tour of California, um, which was apparently some pretty deep beef between United Healthcare and Bulls Dolmens. Now, did you, did you get, did you get this on your, uh, coming across your feed? Oh, of course not. No, I mean, I've been, I've, uh, like, I've, I've been essentially out of touch for, many hours a day and then i get home and i learn all kinds of things about what has happened in this great nation of ours. <laughs> oh dear uh, <laughs> oh dear so, so all there's right. a lot there's a lot i have i let me tell you i just have too much to keep track of yeah uh, outside of cycling right now in terms of news so uh why don't you why don't you fill me in all right so the cliff notes is that uhc um had the gc leader katie hall and uh Anna Vanderbregen. I, I had heard. I had heard that she was the GC leader. Mm-hmm. And Anna Vanderbregen, okay. yours yeah. and my Olympic champion, uh, on Bulls Dolmens was three seconds behind on the GC, and there are you know there there are sprint points with bonus seconds, um, and so uh, apparently like in some of these like bonus second sprints, um, Bulls uh, Dolmens and UHC like really really stopped liking each other. Um, mm. and there's, there's some video footage of a, a bulls rider riding a UHC rider off the road into the dirt. Whoa. And you know, it happens fast and like, it's, 
the, from the angle, it's hard to see you know, like how intentional it was or whether or not it's like just closing a door or something. But you know, it's it's one of those things that led people to have like some some fiery uh, finish line interviews. Hmm. Um, and I think it, it gets at some of that that stuff that we hear about about like respect and world tour teams and pro conti teams that don't know their place or maybe they they should know their place and or or should they and kind of that that whole dynamic right oh the hierarchy which is to say the you know what uh phil gaiman really likes to write about right oh i don't know i haven't i haven't read anything so Hmm. maybe i've read some of or he's 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 commented fellow news columns he did it's Mm mm-hmm Anyway, yeah. and it's just one of those what was, things. Can, can we just can we just Phil got was he like pro hierarchy anti hierarchy? Uh, I think he was pro hierarchy. Yeah, interesting. He was okay, on. Anyway, go on. He was on. You know, one of the variations well, yeah. of Garmin. It was yeah. Did, did the sort of thing like, dude, dude, I'm just here chilling in the top twenty wheels. Why are you like battling for a position at the foot of the climb when? Oh, I, I see. I'm not even. I don't even remember what specifically I'm thinking of. I, I have like an association of. Stuff that Phil Gaiman has either written or said on the internet, and the hierarchy. Well, let's not get bogged down in that. Yeah, not. this is this isn't about PG. Um, it's not. A, no, it is not. But so the first thing, the first thing that I thought when I when I saw this is that like this is exciting sport, and you know the the the, the bit <clears> of drama <throat> that like uh, that bit of fiery competition, like, I'm not saying that, you know, what Christine Majerus did is, like, a good thing, but it's the sort of, like, heat of battle kind of thing that, that really does make for exciting sport, and I, I just so often return to, I can't believe that dumb shits think that women's bike racing isn't exciting. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, right, I I mean, again, I agree it's exciting and I think it's good for there to be some rivalries. Oh. Um, even a little bit of uh, you know some some butt hurt or whatever. I love between folks. I love a good little bit of beef. Yeah. Mm, beef is beef is tasty. You know like we you like I think one of the reasons that um like Mark Cavendish was both uh popular and polarizing is because you know he, he like spoke his mind and would talk about actually what happened in sprints and it was a big change from the like and i think we've talked about this before your stereotypical like george hincapie interview where he's like yeah you know uh legs were great uh team was great um the race was really great and uh i felt great um and that's how the bike race went yeah yeah and it's it's so much more exciting yeah. when when people like sort of honestly uh, break it down they talk about their true emotions and like can you imagine like you know how wild it feels at the end of a bike race when your heart rate is through the roof like all this stuff could you imagine a camera suddenly in your face and like you're about to go on record like while your heart rate is still at 190 or whatever at the end of a race <laughs> yeah and like if you're riled up about something that happens you're just like it's the filter's not there you know you just go like yes yeah, it was a good race friggin' thing happened i can't believe that team this guy's always riding like that it's a pain in the ass whatever it's great when that yeah. stuff comes to the fore because what that means is that like we're getting a sort of more honest look inside the sport um 
So, so I think it's great that, it's like, true. that like UHC was like, yeah, this like freaking big shots mm-hmm. on Bulls Dome. It's like, you think they're so great, like coming over here and riding us off the road like this. And some other domestic riders was, were like, yeah, they're always like that. It's kind of shitty. Um, well, I, you know, and then there's like the flip side, you know, the, the other angle of like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure if this is as much with the UHC women's team, but you know, UHC with its reputation and the crits for being super aggressive and. <laughs> uh, really you know and, and they enforced the hierarchy at the pointy end of, of crits and mm-hmm. you know america and there's so there's that fun dynamic of like you know i don't know if this has been in the uh, any of the commentary on any of the hot takes but you know like well yeah the uhc is getting some of its own medicine and you know certainly they can handle uh a little bit of uh rough and tussle that would so. be a, that would be a pretty hot take and you know on uh stage uh let's see stage one of the recent stages of the tour of California, of the men's <laughs> tour of California, stage three, you know, I noticed from the overhead shot, uh, Travis McCabe, who's on UHC, um, pretty far up there. Oh, he's on UHC now. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's well, of course UHC. he is. Of yeah. course he is. He right. was really, really good last year. Okay, anyway, go on. Yeah. Um, he, he was definitely he was definitely up there, and, like, he might have been on Sagan's wheel, like, right before Sagan launched his sprint, but I saw him, like, get assertively bumped out of position by um by a a, a bmc rider uh, jean-pierre drucker uh-huh um so that's that's worth that's uh that's definitely a last kilometer worth watching i i, I just i took a look at it just once or twice um it looked like an uphill drag sort of like a like a, a slight uphill drag based on kind of how fast they were going and and how surprisingly long the sprint was but it was a good sprint. Uh, you can see sort of Taylor Finney give it the old college try. Um, you can kind of see like some incredible 30-second <clears throat> power on display by Peter Sagan. Probably not full-on 30 seconds, but it was it was a long go that he gave it. Um, and yeah, you can see you can see Travis McCabe, who is you know the sort of uh, preeminent domestic pro road endurance bunch sprinter, right? Not not like a pure like crit field group field sprinter, but he's like a sort of he's the last sprinter who survives the race of attrition right yeah 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 he's very um, good at that and and you can see him you know up there five hours in with world tour teams he's right there and he also just gets hierarchied the f out yeah yeah huh. i mean he finished ninth he wasn't like he got like you know put into the that's curb up there that's up there it's up, up there. there that is respectably up there <laughs> I would not finish ninth <laughs> in that that race. No. Nope. Uh, or ninetieth, or nine hundredth. So uh, you know, respect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So cool, 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 cool. So there's that. Uh, yeah, and, I think it's good. And then, and like you know, I, I would be very surprised if if you hadn't heard about this. Um, but there's there's much ado on the internet about. Uh, the concussion of Tom's Skoyans. Yes, I have heard this. Have you seen the video? I have not. It's pretty hard to watch. He, I've, I've heard it that he's like ping-ponging off of dudes on a descent. I mean, no, so so he, he crashes and he like tries to get up and he stumbles a lot. And he's like staggering around the road pretty dazed. 
And then, like, the next group comes kind of screaming down this descent and kind of around this corner, and he, he really almost, like, wanders right into, you know, people going 40 miles an hour. Right. Um, and he sort of staggers back onto his bicycle. <clears throat> A bad situation. Um, yeah. And, you know, he says he, he, like, sort of doesn't remember anything until, like, when he was in the team car, you know, pulled from the race. Um, right. Bro got his bell rung, and that's yeah. a, that's that's a serious injury. And so I think, you know, so what what internet commentators have have been saying is that the um, the the neutral mechanic moto who was there shouldn't have helped him back on his bike. Um, and Neil Rogers had a really excellent bit of like analytical journalism sort of pouring over, like, what happened in that situation, what actually happened in Skoyan's situation, um, and what is a sort of reasonable um, sort of policy or approach. And I think, you know, th- there's been some... Uh, there's been growing awareness of the severity of head trauma in sport in general over the past uh, half a decade or so. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And there was, the you know, the, the pretty shocking incident of Chris Horner five years ago where, you know, he, he got his bell rung and he crossed the line... You know, he kept riding something like 20 kilometers and, and crossed the line and, you know, the camera's on him and he's saying, like, what, what happened? Are, are we, am I at the finish line? Like, what, what's going on? Did I crash? Like, it was. Yeah. That was the Tour de France, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's really jarring. Um, what happened with Scoyans is that, like, as soon as his team car figured out, like, learned that he crashed, like, they found him, you know, it was a descent. It's not like the team car can just come up to you on a descent. Um. Right. They found him, and they were pretty immediately like, okay, head injury, off your bike. And to me, that suggests that, like, everything is working exactly as it should. The fact that he was on his bike for, like, a minute or two, like, it's regrettable, but the only reason that it's so upsetting is because we saw some, like, really visceral visceral footage of him staggering around. Right. Right. Yeah, so people are, I mean, I have seen a little bit of, because, you know, I was scrolling through my Twitter hours later mm-hmm. and, and saw people being like, how is this being allowed to happen? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the usual where uh, people are very, very quick to, uh, it's, it's like, fundamental attribution error right which basically uh maybe that's not quite the right thing that happens but but so fundamental attribution error is basically that people are judgmental as shit um and that what they um in if they were to do something that was wrong they'd be able to think of all the extenuating circumstances of what's going on in their head and and, you know the stresses in their life and um, et cetera, et cetera. But when they, people see other people do something that's wrong or make a mistake, they say it's because that person sucks, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And and there's a similar kind of rush to judgment going on of, like, well, I have, especially, you know, from this helicopter shot, right, or from the moto shot, I have a perfect view <laughs> of what's going on. I can I can see immediately that this guy should not get back on his bicycle and he did, uh, and therefore there was a complete failure, and the, anyone who had eyes on the situation who allowed him to do it um, 
you know, is a terrible person. But it's, it's you know, when in reality, yeah, if you dig into it, right, again, not knowing exactly what happened, but it's like, okay, let's think about this for a second. So you've got this person, the, the cameraman with the camera on the back of the moto pointing the camera at Tom Scoynes and seeing this guy stagger around. And when he starts going toward his bike and getting on his bike, what what exactly is Mr. Camera Guy supposed to do? And is, is he supposed to drop his camera and jump off the back of the motorcycle and, like, sprint <laughs> and tackle this injured rider who's trying to get on his butt? You know? Like, is he supposed to issue a firm verbal command to this young man? Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of... It really breaks down, you know, a lot. Especially yeah. when you consider that, as you say, uh, the situation was resolved, and it is unfortunate that people couldn't be on the scene quickly enough to... You know, prevent the additional risk of him, you know, getting on board that bicycle and piling in it downhill for a few more minutes um, while, you know, suffering from a brain injury. But it, it's, yeah, it's a difficult thing. And, and, you know, there was a thing I saw actually today I thought was a pretty good recommendation, a pretty good idea um, by Kaylee Fretz, uh, I guess, you know, Honest Bicycle Program's favorite uh, <laughs> cycling rider right now, apparently. Um, who put up a column, you know, an opinion piece suggesting that something like an ice dot sensor, uh, with with kind of a remote, some kind of remote alert system wired into the medics, uh, at the at the at races, could give an indication of riders to be checked on, right? Mm-hmm. That you could because the, so the, the, so to be clear, the ice dot system is uh, essentially this internet enabled. Um, device this is essentially an accelerometer that goes on your helmet and if you crash at a certain g-force uh within a minute or so it will send out an automated alert to you know contacts to your, your, yeah, your emergency previously. contact exactly so uh it's essentially got all the kind of connectivity in place that you would want that you could wire it up for for a race doctor okay and so that's a cool idea that would not necessarily change anything about what happened with uh, young Mr. Scoyans, right? right? It, it would still take, you know, a minute or two or more for the caravan and the race doctor or a team doctor to get to a rider and assess them. Yeah, I mean, and, especially and, if things, and, you and, know... And I think the related question is, is that minute or two super dangerous? Right. I don't know the answer. I would I'm inclined to say that there's a possibility of danger from a person with a concussion riding their bike in, you know, possibly in a field, but I don't think it's like a super likely situation. Right. That that that's How going often... to lead to something terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's only so much you can do, right, to mitigate that. Like, you just can't, you, it's just, you can't really realistically say, oh, yeah, random camera guy on the tour has the authority, you know, to tell or or somehow, you know, physically prevent a rider from getting onto their bicycle. Like, that's not, that's not their job, and that's yeah. not, and, they're and, not empowered to do so in any way. Yeah. Like, not according to the rules of the race, they are, you know, they are race staff, you know, in the sense that they are employed by the race, but they are not, um, 
referees, you know, they are not commissars. They are also not the employers of the rider. Like, there's just no, there's just no sense in which they are realistically empowered um, to to direct a rider to do anything. And one of the things that occurs to me, like, uh, to that point, is that in a crisis, people should do their jobs. Like, that's the best way out of a crisis. And I think that we, you know, you talked about the fundamental attribution error. I think a lot of people think that in a crisis, like, everybody should jump up and be a hero. And I think that, like, the best way to handle a tough situation is for people to do what they're supposed to do. And that doesn't mean ignore the situation. It means that, like, it means that a crisis is not obvious that it's a crisis, even if a guy is staggering around, like... It doesn't mean continue business as usual. It means, like, do what you're supposed to do and assume that crisis management, like, happens at a level other than the camera moto, the <clears throat> neutral mechanic, right? Like, they're... Right. It's it's a crisis later. It's an incident now. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good point. So uh, that's probably, I guess, enough on that. Um, <laughs> that's it. We're done. But... Yeah, we're done. We're uh, finished. No, I mean, uh, I don't know if you have any last words. I mean, the th- the good news is that uh, he seems to be doing okay. Um, I mean, he's got a broken collarbone. Uh, that's a whole other thing where apparently it's it's uh, cheaper to fly him home to Europe to have surgery on his collarbone rather than operate uh, in the USA. Yeah, yeah. So Cannondale Drapeback's like insurer said, we can't pay for his surgery in the U.S., Give him a business class flight to Europe. Yeah. And we'll, we'll cover the flight and then the care in Europe. And that's really speaks to the, the high cost of health care in the United States, <laughs> which, as we know, is due to a bloated uh, administrative uh, situation. Yeah, well, we, we could probably start a we, we should start a podcast on health care in the USA. Um, Single payer now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm doing the thing where I'm laughing, where it's, you know, the situation isn't funny, right? I And I don't know how bad his break is or whatever, but, you know, I said on, on Twitter, um, I think it was last night or this morning, I don't know, it doesn't matter when I said it, but, right, I've broken my collarbone twice, and and based on kind of the di- the different ends of the scale in terms of how unpleasant that was, the, the idea of, like, your collarbone is broken, uh, now take a plane, you know, from California to, uh, what is he, Latvian? You know, to somewhere in, in Europe. Um, th- I mean, that just ranges, in terms of, like, my take on that, that ranges from, that could be, A, fairly uncomfortable, to B, um, please put me in an induced coma for the duration of this flight. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I'm not even kidding, like, you know, because the first time I broke my collarbone, it was so unbelievably debilitating excruciating <laughs> you know so i hope that he doesn't have it that bad because um that's a serious situation that, that really sucks uh anyway all the best to him and and yeah yeah okay uh what else we got we're, we're you know we're running it we're, we're 41 minutes in according to this that means that i don't um, know people people who are listening to us on their ride have just you know, they finished their their workout, they've done like an opener, and they're ready to settle into some intervals. So, without further ado, Honest Bicycle Program, Interval Programming, start your stopwatch. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm ad-libbing here. I don't, uh... Uh, hit go. Okay, alright. Uh, now, activate Bluetooth 
on your heart rate monitor. <laughs> is this uh, right? Now connect to Strava. Uh, and you should be doing all of this at, you know, 300 watts, by the way. Um, just Is that a big number for me? That's pretty big. Uh, yeah, yeah, activate Bluetooth on the heart rate monitor. Okay, now now find yourself on the map. Okay, now hold hold down on the screen, and, and you should get a little pop-up, and it's going to say um, connect to power meter. All right, so do that. All right, and now uh, I need you to, uh, you know, hold hold down again. All right, and you're <laughs> going to get a different pop-up, uh, and that's going to say, um, you know, go go harder, and and do that. All right, so so now you now you can put your phone away and just concentrate on pedaling hard. All right, but you, you just got to make sure that everything is all connected up and that you're recording all of your data, all of your all the crushing you are doing to your intervals right now. Uh, so please so, so please continue to do that right now. Okay. Uh, but, but this means while you're doing that, you should probably listen to some exciting topic discussion uh, that we're going to do over the next few minutes. And I don't know. Um, should, I, should, I, should I discuss some things? Do, you know, are you, I dig into my... I, I heard you sniffling. Oh, yeah. Bit. Yeah. Are you well... Are you a well-man? So, uh, I'm, I'm, I am, I am Manuel. Manuel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was strange. Joke? 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 Is that a joke? I'm not sure it was a joke. But, yeah, so I've had, I've been having some things in terms of the, the old health. Uh, currently, it does seem to be mostly allergies of some sort. Um, I don't have serious seasonal allergies but i don't not have seasonal allergies if that makes sense mm-hmm. however however last week i thought i was having serious seasonal allergies and i was like oh oh my god these this, this pollen count is so high and i'm reacting so much it feels like i have the flu and then a day later i had a brutal head cold mm-hmm. um so in a sense i mean i didn't have the flu but but yeah, so so I, I I was I was actually just sick, but but then I got better, which was good because it was it was grim. Let me tell you, it was it was very unpleasant. I, I was off my bike for three days because um, I, you know, let's not overstate it. I'm not going to say like I wanted to die or anything like that, but uh, it was pretty pretty bad. Uh, and I was like going into my kind of not job that I had mm-hmm. uh, and feeling like a zombie, and you know, on the train, being like, why am I doing this to myself? Yada yada yada. But that's better now, which is good. But on the other hand, we spring has suddenly sprung uh, quite violently. In fact, uh, it's sort of like sort of like the airbag going off by accident. It needs a recall uh, over here in Massachusetts, where it went from kind of mm, cold and rainy uh, to to all of a sudden, you know, seventy and then almost ninety degrees and quite lovely. But the air is full of pollen. There is so much tree sex happening right now. Um, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. And I- I've been riding my bike um, after work. I-, I got a new job. I'm out there. And, and I'll- we'll-, we'll talk about that. Um, maybe. You know, depending on how time looks. But, yeah, but so, I'm riding my so, bike. I mean, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just breathing pollen. I just I have just all this pollen coming, being forced down my gullet. Is is really... To make a long story short, so so it's making me a little sniffly. I don't know what to say. You know, making me kind of hacky and coffee. So I've had terrible seasonal allergies in the past, and it was only mm. I want to say like a year and a half ago that I started using Flonase. 
Oh. Um, Our bicycle program this week is supported by. <laughs> well, I mean, let me tell you, like, I would get, you know, there would be a high pollen day and I would get a stuffy nose and it would be like <clears throat> impenetrable. And it's not the kind of thing that you can blow your nose and have the mucus come out. It's like deeper oh, yeah, and yeah. firmer than that, right? Like, I, Well, it's and, like your tissues are all swollen. Yeah. Not, not like the tissues that you like blow your nose with, but like the, you know, your body. Yeah. Like there's just the no... Inside of your face. Yeah. And then that mucus is also... The mucus that's up there is also a really great breeding ground for bacteria. And so like I would get, you know, these allergy attacks that would be miserable for a few days and then they would turn into like vicious head and chest colds which are basically you know those are like uh infections well who knows maybe that is maybe maybe that is what happened i don't know but anyway and but so when i started using so i I was trying to figure out like how to deal with this for a while and and the best that i could do would be to like as soon as i felt those allergies come on like really bombard it with Sudafed and the good Sudafed, you know, the kind that they use to make meth that you have to show your driver's license to buy. Um, so, what do you do? You go to, you go, like, I, I should actually get this stuff, right? So, you what, go to the pharmacist and say, get me the good stuff. Mm hmm. And then they say, show me your driver's license. Yeah. All right, I'm taking yeah, notes. Yeah, so that's that. that's pseudoephedrine, which has a, yes. a, a pretty powerful stimulant in it. And the, the stuff that's in the, like, the Sudafed that you can just grab off the shelf is actually not more effective than a placebo. Oh, the, uh, cause that's, it's just like what, antihistamine or something? No, it's, it's a de, well, it's, it's, it's a decongestant. It's just a crappy one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they started making it because they were looking for an alternative to pseudoephedrine because when pseudoephedrine was like a truly over the counter drug, people just buy a lot of it and make math. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. So anyway. phenyl, phenylephrine, whatever. Um, but so one of the problems with that is that Sudafed, as a pretty powerful stimulant, would make me jittery and, and feel shitty. Um, mm. Mm. And the other problem is that it's it's not allowed in competition, or rather, there's a threshold, uh, a urinary uh, threshold above which oh, true. a certain uh, amount is not allowed, and. Like, granted, I've never gotten piss-tested, and I probably won't ever be, but you still want to follow the rules. Yeah. No, I think that's a pretty good approach to life. Um, and so so I started using Flonase, which is it's a, um, a glucocorticoid, so it's sort of related to steroidy type stuff, because it's got an oid in there. Uh, it's nasally administered, um, and it does take, like, several days or, like, a week or two to sort of build up and start being effective, but it, like absolutely changes my quality of life oh all right. i can't i can't it's been it's been like a couple of years since i've not had several sleepless nights in a row because i can't breathe well that sounds all right well mm-hmm. here you heard it here first well, and not, nasally administered it's allowed it's fully allowed in competition out of competition by uh, for cycling, ah, this is the relevant by the world yeah. and the doping agent, which you can check. I don't know if, if if all of our listeners know this, but you know the way to check this is to go to a website called Global Dro, Global D R O Drug Reference Online, and you can look up the drug that you bought and make sure that it's you know allowed for the activity that you're doing. I, I have I have an app on my phone called Drug Search Plus. Drug Search Plus. I'm not actually 100% certain it's up to date. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, yeah, all right. 
Um. Hmm. Oh yeah, here we go. Anyway, anyway, if 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 you sometimes have these seasonal allergies, you know, different different medications work differently for different people. Flonase has been like a godsend to me. Right. Good. Yeah. Well, keep that on because you know, riding with um, I don't know. Some people seem to be maybe a little bit dismissive of it, but but dealing with allergies when you're you know trying to train hard and race um. It's a problem. I mean, it's, you know, it's no joke. People uh, who are dismissive of it just, like, have never experienced really bad allergies. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's definitely, definitely true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just can't. And I, you know, uh, have, for most of my life, not had substantial allergy problems, mm-hmm. which is very fortunate. But I have also had, you know, episodes that were bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, it, it knocks you on your ass. I, I had, like, a... I don't even know if it was... I'm not sure if it was just dust or uh, from moving things around or whatever. But many years ago, when I was 21 or something like that, or 22, was sort of the first time I had a major allergy episode um, where it seemed like I just couldn't escape it. It might have been ragweed, you know, so it might have been hay fever too. I'm not really, I'm not really clear what was going on. But I, I all of a sudden, I'd never really had a substantial allergy problem. And all of a sudden, I was like, I feel terrible all the time like my eyes are itching my nose is running and i just don't feel functional like what's going on Mm -hmm. well that's allergy it's like you know the line and that's and that's why for example because i've had some seasonal allergy kind of issues why last week when i was you know actually getting sick or who knows maybe it was you know brought on by allergy problems but you know why why i went first to allergies because it was like i you know they can make you feel this way Anyway, I don't know what else. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know that I have uh, uh, much in the way of commentary. Other the, than the best way that I can describe take it, it seriously. Yeah, the best way that I can describe it to people who haven't experienced it is, you know, when you have like a delayed onset sneeze and you have that like several seconds of being like, uh, 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 and like yeah. like maybe you're gonna sneeze and maybe you're not going to. It's like if that lasts for days. Ugh. What? I yeah. And boy, what is what is worse than that? kind of oncoming sneeze that doesn't come or gets aborted. <laughs> it's terrible. I yeah. hate that. Cuz it's like if you if you feel like you're heading toward a sneeze, like you want to sneeze, like there's a there's like a relief. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like having to pee or something. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it doesn't feel anything like that, but it's like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um so so I've been dealing with that. Um, it's been frustrating because I keep having sort of one thing after another. I think I talked about that before, being like on the on the injury treadmill. I think last time we talked about my IT band problems I've been having um, that I'm just managing with bow rolling and whatever. Maybe I just have talked about that elsewhere, but because like I can't I can't remember what I'm doing. I can't. Who am I talking to? Where am I saying this, that, or the other thing? I don't. I barely know <laughs> anymore. Uh, but. Um, it's, it's tough. I don't know. I, I think I'm just saying variations on it's tough a lot, so I should probably move on to another subject. Yeah. What uh, else you got? I don't know. Well, so, okay. So I just started a new job. How's that? Congratulations. And we're not, thank, thank you. So we're not going to talk about my job. No. Uh, because it's only barely relevant, except for the fact that, uh, so I've got to work now, which is good. I mean, I had to work before, right? It's just that I wasn't. <laughs> which is not an ideal scenario i can't really recommend it particularly strongly um but you know that was the situation and and here's the weird thing 
While I was not working, you'd think, hmm, well, at least you have lots of time to ride your bike. Well, it didn't really work that way. Uh, it was really difficult, actually, to make that happen. And, you know, it's going to depend on who you are. But I'm a person who likes having a certain amount of structure in my life that is imposed by, I guess, the outside forces of uh, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, sort of, sort of non-endogenous structure, as it were. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, my schedule is wild and crazy. Who knows what I'm doing one day to the next? And I've got job interviews and I've got to fill out applications and I can sort of sleep as late as I want but sort of not and I've got this kind of volunteer job thing I'm doing part-time to keep my hands busy and and you know make it look like I'm not a total loser when I hand my resume out at job interviews things like that yeah uh and and so it's it's just becomes and and of course getting there is complicated because I have to take uh, public transportation and it takes me like an hour and a half sometimes uh, to get home if I do that. So it's just, it's you know, complicating things is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's, but I, I think I've away. said this before, like, it's good to have time to train. It's better to have structure in which to train. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're going to be doing essentially the same thing every day, you can kind of plan for that and be ready. And so, you, you know, you say, I'm, I'm going to be training at X time. And anything that throws a wrench in the works makes it just much harder to adapt, even if you technically have the time, right? Because... You know, set you can set aside a one and a half or two hour block of time. You know, even if you're pretty busy, like you can make that happen. But but if you think, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna do it this afternoon. Oh, wait, something just came up, and now all of a sudden it's dark, and I'm tired, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm unmotivated. You know, because of all these other things that are going on, it makes it pretty tough. So, you know, there's sort of a couple aspects, I guess, to fitting training into a busy life, and some of it doesn't have much to do with how busy you are right yeah i don't think that we've given this subject and, and maybe we should talk more about this at some point because you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna end up running a little bit long um but I, I think this is really worth some time um how do you fit training in you know especially if you are someone who's who's quite busy uh and you know i we you and i are both quite fortunate um you know we both have spouses who are either a quite understanding and wonderful and lovely in my case or actually also a participant in the sport in your case. <laughs> it was a good pivot. Yeah. Or yeah, good pivot, right? It's like or no, no, no. Uh, Heidi Heidi is lovely, but you know, Heidi and, and, and I should say not but and Heidi also races bikes, so mm-hmm. he knows what's up. Um so, you know, and therefore not it's not so much that uh you know, she has to support you out of the goodness of her heart, it's that you got to support her and her stuff too. Yeah. Um because you want to because guys very sweet. Um, anyway, I got off on a bit of a... I got a little bit derailed there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the, the point is, I, I guess I was saying, uh, if I can try and find my way back to the thread, is that you got to fit it in somehow, and, and, and we're lucky. There we go. That's what I was talking about. We're both lucky in that, um, you know, we don't have kids... Uh, I mean, not that kids are a burden. You're very lucky if you have kids. What I mean is that they are not sucking up our time, which is something that kids do. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and so that makes it, I mean, that's kind of the big one, right? Because otherwise we'd pretty much have your normal suite of adult responsibilities, I'd say. Uh, mm-hmm. But but that you know definitely makes it easier because, you know, 
children, for example, aren't going to necessarily adhere to your perfectly regimented life. So with that out of the way, you know, we can really come up with a system and and, and build a system. So uh, my system right now that I'm trying to establish because I just started this new job um, comes back to something that, that I was thinking might be a bit of a problem, which is that I got this job and it's, it's a little out of town, uh, as it were, or, or it's far away from my house and mm-hmm. it's not well connected by public transit uh, at all. Uh, so what that means is I am, for the foreseeable future, a car commuter, which is kind of interesting. It's not really what I'd signed up for, but uh, that's what's happening. Um, and so I thought, darn, you know, I got to drive and it's going to take, you know, almost an hour each direction. And isn't that just the worst? Uh, but then I actually had a bit of uh, a, a brainwave. Because I was, I was looking at the location and I said, you know... Um, this is pretty much on the periphery of some pretty good riding routes out here. And I can set aside, you know, I can get out of work at 5 or 5.30 or whatever, and I can I can hop on my bike, and I'm, I'm already at the beginning of a good training, essentially. And I just got to get away from the immediate nasty traffic right right there in the vicinity. But that's great. Uh, but yeah, so it was, I said, and, and like the extra bonus is, and in, in so far, my experimentation over the last two days with this process has, has confirmed it. I can get on my bike at work, you know, so change and all that. Get on my bike and head out to ride. And normally the ride home would be 50 minutes. Uh, or not ride, drive in the car. Would be 50 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, I get back from my one and a half, maybe two hour bike ride. I get in the car. I drive home and it takes me not even half an hour. Nice. So I'm saving time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so if I'm going to be training anyway, I might as well start out there. So that's what I'm doing right now. And, and I'm hoping to kind of incorporate this. And, you know, it, we'll see how it works when it, there's things happening like heavy rain or, you know, it's winter, uh, it's snowing and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that will probably require some some creativity. But... For now, with the nice weather that we're suddenly having, um, it's it's looking pretty good. So that's what I'm doing, and that's I don't know. Um, I'm actually kind of excited about having 100% of my bike time be uh, training time, and not you know I was filling up a bunch of, a bunch of time with kind of noodling around commuting. So I'm I'm almost polar opposite. I'm about I'm a little bit under two weeks into my new job, and my my workplace is. And I know now because I had a Garmin on my bike today, a six and a half minute bike commute away. So that's not bad. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, but it, it does mean, you know, similarly, the va- you know, like, I still, I still have to, like, make the time to ride my bike because there's no way that I can pretend that my bike commute does any like recovery benefit or like I can't I'm not gonna like get kitted up as a matter of course and like go for a ride and extend it on the way home which I've done in the past when I've had longer rides and it you know Mm -hmm. that that sort of level of like combining functions makes things a little bit easier but when they're totally separate it means you got to put a little bit more thought into you know how you're gonna get your spandex on and get your bike quite frankly at the end of the day like when I'm kind of tired it's hard to think like all right i'm gonna leave the job at five 
go home, get kitted up, and like ride back out in the same direction I just came from. You know, that's a little bit hard. No, I, I get you. I, I think I don't have a hundred percent the same perspective, mm-hmm. which is that um, I to me that actually sounds a re- like a really great situation, right? Because so well, well, here's here's kind of the evolution of my commute over the last few years, which was that um, I was in I I was moderately far from work, about six miles. And and that was kind of a reasonable commute, but it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a pain. Um, but it, and and that was sort of long enough that it was it was trickier to integrate commuting and training. Yeah, because in know, in a I, city, six six miles is like a half an hour. Yeah, it was a, it was about that. And on top of that, there wasn't really a good way to extend uh, that commute in, without just kind of going. I just pretty much had to do, it. and that was the case, you know, later too, which I'll get. To. Um, and then after that, we moved, and you know, same job. And I was two miles from work, and it, it was about a twelve-minute bike ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was awesome because the time commitment of getting to work was minimal. I didn't have to put on my funny bike pants, and. I could just go home and change and hop out of my bike and and the time loss was fairly small right or I could get on my trainer and, and again you know it wouldn't be super late um, necessarily mm-hmm. but uh, then we moved again uh, so you know and, and I, it's not like it was perfect right because we lived on the fifth floor or fourth floor of uh, an apartment building and that was that kind of it was sort of complicated getting a bike up and down luckily there was an elevator so um you know it wasn't terrible but you know when we were really kind of in the thick of things in terms of the city so you'd ride out for a bit or somewhere you could kind of intervals so right not perfect but then we moved again and we were almost well depending on which route you know right around eight miles from work. so now it's just ride time is almost 40 minutes and at this point, it's like, well, I'm just putting on my spandex to go to work <laughs> yeah. at home again. Because it's like, forget about it. Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I can't ride for more than a mile in jeans. But, um, you know, it's just much more pleasant. Yes. So so I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden, my weekly miles uh, are ballooning, right? Because I'm doing 14 miles every single day. And, and it's taking me, you know, 38, 40 minutes each way. So it's over an hour every day. And so... You know, I'd look at my Strava and look at the time, and it'd be like, you're doing great. Look at how many hours you're doing in a week. It's awesome. But a huge chunk of that time is just noodling to work and back. Because, you know, it's we're, I'm commuting into a busy medical uh, kind of complex in, in the middle of Boston. Um, so so it was really what they, what they call junk mile business. Uh, and, and so that was very difficult because then I'd have to, if I wanted to train, if I wanted to combine it, I'd have to go home and, uh, at least I had my, my, you know, shorts and whatever on already. So I could drop off my backpack cause I don't want to do my intervals with backpack on, but there's really <laughs> no way, there's no faster way than going home and going out to do training. And then it's rush hour. And there's a lot of cars on the road, uh, you know, in the, in the, on the training loops that are kind of nearish my house. And so it was, it was not an easy situation. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. And, and yeah. all that. All that riding 
to work and back doesn't have much recovery value this time because there's too much of it. You know? So it's... it's The concept of junk miles is a little bit problematic, but the basic idea is that, you know, you're kind of not doing... You're, you're doing a little too much to actually recover from your workouts, but too little to actually get a training benefit. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, there's some truth to that. Absolutely. So anyway... But so so, <laughs> which brings us back around to what I'm doing now, which was you know at the time it was kind of disappointing. It is actually a little bit difficult from the perspective of, you know how, you know we as a couple kind of handle our lives because now uh, my poor sweetie has to take public transportation instead of driving, which you know it, because of where we live is not super simple and and you know it just makes the commute a little bit longer. Not that it was a short commute by car, but you know it just makes it tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we sacrificed, uh, connectivity and nearness to, uh, you know, our jobs for a basement and, uh, <laughs> like, and, and woods. Yeah. Which, which was, which was good, but, you know, so, so now, you know, but, um, anyway, I guess to bring it back around. So, so it was a little bit like, gosh, I don't know about this, but then I said, you know what, there's, there's an opportunity here and, and we can work with this and. You know, it's almost like the best of both worlds because, well, I mean that that this, that doesn't make sense. Best of both worlds, but it's it's a good situation because it's not like I'm, like, oh crap, I don't know where to go or anything like this. No, when I lived at uh, the previous place we lived that was close to work, I used to ride these roads fairly regularly, so I know exactly where I'm going, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. It, apart from an element of the loop that I hadn't done very often, it wasn't as with, but whatever, I figured it out number two and now i you know ride number two and I'm, I'm, i've got it down and uh yeah it's great because i know where i'm going already it's beautiful the traffic is better uh and i'm right there it's not like either situation where i had to go home first it's literally and and, and so far you know maybe we'll check in in a bit uh so far though in a motivational sense it's really awesome to be like i get done with work and i know i am changing i'm getting on my bike i don't have an intermediary kind of transit stage that is going to get me kind of tired and grouchy and demotivate yeah for riding you you like you've cracked through the bubble well you know i've done it twice we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but i'm optimistic so that's i don't know that's my story that's that's all i was gonna do so uh i guess the purpose of this discussion anyway is to uh encourage listeners who are kind of thinking about how am i going to fit this stuff in um, to think creatively, right? I don't have advice per se, but I, I can tell you I've done just a few different things over the years to try and um, work in my training around the other things I have going on in my life. And, and I'll tell you what, I am not super great at time management. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and especially with like kind of pushing myself to do something that I'm not, that I'm imperfectly motivated for uh, at any given time uh, when it comes to training. So having having kind of it right there, like, well, I'm going to ride now or not uh it's good it's good from a kind of how my brain works i you know i can absolutely relate to like sort of needing things to be uh convenient and and good choices like easy choices you know yeah i mean everyone everyone benefits from things being easier right oh yeah you know some people some people are better at mustering kind of the uh consistently mustering the ability to say no i'm gonna do this than others um, but for anyone, and they're like, not morally superior to people like us. No, they are not. They are not. 
let's let's be clear about that. People just have different abilities and different things. Just like some people are better at running fast than others, right? Or riding the bike fast. Um, but nonetheless, right? I, I I guess that if we do have a piece of advice, then it's anything you can do to make things easier uh, is is gonna well, it's gonna make it more likely that you're gonna fit the riding in that you want to do. Yeah, build it into the structure. Right. Build it into the structure. I think it, it all comes back to structure, is what we're saying. Structure is good. Structure is good. Uh, any further thoughts, comments, feels? I don't think so. Well, maybe we should wrap it up. That's it, then. All right, everybody. <laughs> remember that this is the Honest Bicycle Program. Always. We're on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Remember. Always. Always be remembering that we are the Honest Bicycle Program. Coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Go there. Check out the other fine podcasts. Uh, podcasts. Become a member. Get some of that sweet, sweet bonus content. The stuff from other shows that's already there. The stuff from us that's going to be coming down the pike. Uh, pipe. It's down the pipe, right? Pike? Doesn't matter. Get some of that sweet, sweet bonus content. It is going to blow your mind. It's going to be so good. Um, yeah, and, and that's all I have to say about that. So, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll show you yet. Yeah. So, until next time, uh, I don't know. Keep it smooth. Keep Keep on riding. And uh, we love do you. Good, do the good stuff. We we do. We, we love you. Yeah. All right. Good night.